the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is. Thank you so much for joining us for the Bob France Authority. At seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the second morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Coming up on the broadcast today, we are going to be talking about um, America, what America is, who she is comprised of, and what kind of country she wants for herself. Um, the... Uh, vehicle we will use to have this discussion is a phenomenal new book by our friend Kurt Schlichter. Kurt Schlichter is a senior columnist at townhall.com as well as a uh, Los Angeles attorney. Uh, he is a, a military, a, an army colonel veteran as well, and he is an author. And his new book called Militant Normals, How Regular Americans Are Rebelling Against the Elite to Reclaim Our Democracy, is must-read for uh, really anybody who is interested in indeed in reclaiming this country. Um, this is what it's about. It really is. We are being pushed to the brink, and I think normals do need to become militant, not in the sense, obviously, of picking up arms against their fellow man, but militant in virtually every other figure of um, use of the word. And we are going to talk with Kurt Schlichter about that at 935. And you know what? I think it's happening right now. I think it's happening right now by way of this Kavanaugh confirmation smear job fiasco this 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 devastating assault on civil decency that the left uh, the left and the uh, senate democrats have engaged in so we're going to talk to kurt about that at 9 35 then at 10 05 it's tuesday you know what 10 05 a tuesday means it means it's cursing out time and peter kirsten i will be joining me at about uh, a few minutes after 10 o'clock to also talk I, I was talking to peter this morning getting ready for the show and i said pete you know, any new angles that you think we need to take on this, any new angles we need to, uh, you know, to cover or discuss uh, with respect to the Kavanaugh story, because it's going on, you know, three weeks here of, of, of this same discussion. 
And admittedly, there is some new stuff coming out at a you know at a semi-regular interval uh, intervals. But I asked Peter, "Is anything new?" And he said, "Well, no new angles, other than the fact that we are swiftly devolving into a Soviet totalitarian mindset." This transcends Kavanaugh, Pete told me. We need to stop this now or we will lose America. It is that serious. Peter is not one that I believe to be prone to hyperbole. He is one who is, uh, <laughs> um, you know, he's very matter-of-fact. He's very statesmanlike, obviously, and I think that's uh, that says a lot when he says we literally are in danger of losing America if we don't stop this now. Not, not, not next week, not next month, not next year, but right now. Before the midterm elections, this needs to be stopped in its tracks. So anyway, uh, Peter Kirsten, I will join me, uh, and and I know you love that. Uh, just a quick little side story: on Thursday last week, I was uh, honored to be asked to uh, be the presenter for Peter Kirsten. I was Peter Kirsten. I was inducted into the RPCC, uh, Republican Party, Cuyahoga County, and um, or or CCRP if they prefer it that way. Anyway, uh, Peter Peter was being inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, for the uh, uh, Cuyahoga County Republican Party, and uh, I was asked to introduce him and present him, and I did so. And it's so funny, when I got done, and when the event was over, and it was just like a little social milling about, I can't tell you how many people came up to me in that room full of dignitaries, really, really impressive, powerful people with great you know, service to the community and service to their country and service to the party and so on and so forth. I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said, Bob, I really love your show. You need to have him on more. And pointing over at Pete. <laughs> I say, yeah, well, you're preaching to the choir. I agree. Our show is better with more Pete rather than less Pete. Uh, so what you're really saying is you love my show when I have Pete on. Uh, so I'm sorry I can only have him one day a week. He does have a day job, and it's a pretty big one. But uh, so many people told me they really love having Peter on with us, and uh, certainly we'll, um, we'll, we'll give them what they want. We'll feed them what they want uh, at about 10.05 today. I want to talk a little bit about NBC, and I want to talk a little bit about what happened last night. <clears throat> Um, NBC put Julie Swetnick on live television. NBC did this knowing full well that Julie Swetnick was a liar. NBC acknowledged as much. NBC literally announced before airing the interview that they conducted with her that she's not a truthful person. She said things in their recorded interview with her that are different from what she said in her sworn affidavit that she had given publicly through her attorney, creepy porn lawyer, and 15 minutes of fame seeker, um, television mutant, Michael Avenatti. She gave a sworn affidavit saying this is what she knew about the gang rape parties that she attended multiple times in the 1980s, seeing Brett Kavanaugh in line ready to do some raping, along with a train of other guys, as they called it, all ready to take their turn raping the drugged girl that they had just drugged with um, uh, you know, some, some drugs in the punch bowl or in the punch containers, as she said. That's what she said in her sworn affidavit. Then NBC sat down with her for an interview, and she said a whole bunch of things that were very, very different. Now, what would a news outlet, a media outlet, with even a hint, a shred, a scintilla of journalistic integrity do in such a circumstance? They would not air that interview, correct? 
if what they know is is inaccurate, if what they know that they're about to present is inaccurate or at the very bare minimum inconsistent with the same with what the uh, same exact person has said previously, why would they give her the time of day? Why would they allow her to go on there and present this inconsistency, which is already flat out unbelievable? And when I say unbelievable, again, I don't mean that in the uh, characterization of, wow, that's wild, unbelievable. I mean non-believable, unable to be believed. That's what the gang rape uh, uh, stories are, are, are from the get-go. They're, they're unbelievable, okay? The idea that the FBI would conduct six background checks into Brett Kavanaugh but just miss the gang rape parties that he was supposedly one of the ringleaders of for all those years. It's just non-believable. It's non-credible. It's just stupid is what it is to, to really kind of dumb it down. So for that person to make certain statements about said unbelievable rape parties in a sworn affidavit and then give a different story uh, in a taped interview, why would you run that interview? And the answer is ratings trump everything it's all about ratings and it's all about clicks on their website it's all about revenue we can get people to watch us and notice and pay attention to us if we air this we're going to air this and just to make ourselves look like we do have a shred of journalistic integrity we will start this interview or i should say pre-view this interview by saying that yeah she said some things that are different so uh, we don't know really what can be believed but here it is and so what does that mean? Well, let me, let me play this real quick. This is their little uh, disclaimer before they aired the interview that Julie Swetnick, the wild, lying, gang rape accuser of Brett Kavanaugh, said to NBC's Kate Snow. Until now, NBC News' Kate Snow is reporting this story and just interviewed Ms. Swetnick, an interview that will air now for the first time. Kate? Ari, thanks. What we want to do here is lay out all that she said, her story, our reporting. We want to be very transparent because these are very serious allegations. Kavanaugh has called Julie Swetnick's story nonsense and a farce. The president today questioned her credibility, and NBC News, for the record, has not been able to independently verify her claims. There are things that she told us on camera that differ from her written statement last We've been trying independently to reach out to anyone who remembers attending parties with Julie Swetnick and Brett Kavanaugh, and we've been asking her attorney for names so far. We've not found anyone who remembers that. She's also unclear about when she first decided to come forward. Did, did you catch that? I'm going to play the second half of that soundbite again, because you cannot hear it often enough. This is Kate Snow explaining that, yes, pretty much everything that Julie Swetnick has said is bullcrap, but we're going to air it anyway. Why? Because ratings. Today questioned her credibility, and NBC News, for the record, has not been able to independently verify her claims. There NBC News has not been able to independently verify her claims, but we're going to put her on TV to make slanderous statements anyway. Think about that. What else, Kate Snow? Are things that she told us on camera that differ from her written statement last So she's a liar. She either lied in her written statement or she lied to us. But nonetheless, we're giving her airtime. We're giving her prime time. We know that we have verified that she's a liar because the things she said on her sworn affidavit are different than the things she has said to us a few minutes ago when we interviewed her. 
So at one time or another, she's lying. We don't care. We're going to give her the forum to slander Brett Kavanaugh anyway. This is what media, this is what journalism has devolved into in 2018. NBC and the anti-Trump media have decided we're going to let a liar, someone we cannot, whose story we cannot corroborate, and whose story we do know has changed from one day to the next, meaning she is unreliable, she is not honest, we're still going to give her the forum. We've been trying independently to reach out to anyone who remembers attending parties with Julie Swetnick and Brett Kavanaugh, and we've been asking her attorney for names so far. We've not found anyone who remembers that. She's also... Think about that line again. We have been reaching out to anybody and any everybody who could say that they were at a party with Brett Kavanaugh and Julie Swetnick. We have asked her attorney, who swears in his public declarations, that when he brings forward his accuser, his client, we have lots and lots of eyewitnesses who will corroborate her story. NBC just said, we've asked the attorney nothing. We've tried to do it ourselves. Nothing. So here I am. Let's summarize. I am NBC. I am the news director. I am the journalist in charge. Pick your your title there. I mean, they've got journalists. They've got uh, news directors. They've got reporters. They've got a political director. They've got all these different... We are NBC. We have a woman who is accusing a Supreme Court justice nominee of being a ringleader of multiple gang rapes that victimized at least nine other women before this particular accuser says she was gang raped. We have this accuser. We cannot corroborate one single syllable of what she has said. We have found no one who could say they were even at a party, let alone remembering a party in which something freaky was going on, let alone being at 10 parties in which something freaky like a line of guys in public view of the other party goers were all waiting for their turn to rape the drunk girl that they had uh, that they had uh, slipped mickeys to if you will to borrow an old phrase we can't find a single person who was at a party like that or 10 parties like that we went to the lawyer for this woman and he won't give us any witnesses either Her own story has changed from what she said in a sworn affidavit, punishable under the law, and to what she told us, indicating she is being dishonest either then or now. Now, let's listen to the woman slander Brett Kavanaugh on primetime on NBC. When this whole thing is over, and I know I've got to get to break, when this whole thing is over, I want Judge Kavanaugh to be the richest Supreme Court justice in the history of the world. I want him to sue NBC for putting this slander when they knew full well it was slander. They may say, well, we gave a disclaimer. Guess what? If somebody turned on NBC in the middle of the interview to listen to the slander and did not hear the disclaimer prior to the slander, then guess what? They believe what they see in the interview. I want them to sue him to sue NBC. I want him to sue Julie Swetnick. I want him to sue, sue Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, the bald-faced liar that she is. I want him to, want him to sue uh, Deborah Ramirez. I want him to sue Ma- Michael Avenatti for the defaming statements that he has made, defamatory statements he has made uh, on behalf of his quote-unquote client. 
I want Kavanaugh to take them all to court. And I want him to own all of those various entities from his seat on the Supreme Court. This cannot be allowed to stand. If you think I'm done, you haven't been listening to me very long. I got a lot more for you coming right up on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks, Bob. All right, 924, another Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer again, Peter Kirsten Peter now joins us at 10.05 today. And coming up here in about 10 minutes at 9.35, Kurt Schlichter, the author of Militant Normals, soon to be a, an extraordinary bestseller, How Regular Americans Are Rebelling Against the Elite to reclaim our democracy. We'll talk to Kurt Schlichter about that story, and we'll tie it directly to what's going on right now as uh, normal people, regular Americans, are in danger of losing their country, uh, as evidenced by what is being done to Brett Kavanaugh in this Supreme Court confirmation situation. So uh, Kurt will join us at 9.35. So back to the issue uh, of NBC yesterday, just surrendering all pretense of journalistic objectivity and journalistic integrity by deciding to air an interview with a woman who is admittedly not credible. They admit, rather, she. they admit she is not credible because she lied about uh, either to us or she lied on her sworn affidavit because what she said was two very different things. And we have tried our butts off to corroborate her story independently, finding someone who can corroborate what she said happened at these parties. And they said they could not find anyone. They reached out to her attorney. Give us some information right now. Give us names so we can go on TV with this and blast this. Avenatti gives nothing. So they put it on TV anyway. Now, who is the woman they put on TV? Let's talk about her credibility beyond the fact that she said different things in the sworn affidavit and the live interview, or the taped interview, rather, on NBC. Megyn Kelly, also of NBC, yesterday did a phenomenal thing on her program yesterday morning. Megyn Kelly, formerly of Fox News, seems to be kind of finding her political uh, sea legs again after kind of trying to transition to uh, some sort of a cross between Oprah and Ellen and and some of the other daytime talkers, you know, kind of more woman stuff, less politics stuff, all that sort of thing. <clears throat> she seems to be finding her, uh, her political sea legs again. Because Megyn Kelly, on her program, um, ran down a list of things that should explain or should provide the answer to the question, why isn't the FBI interviewing Julie Swetnick? The FBI is clearly investigating the Christine Blasey Ford allegations. The FBI is interviewing the second Kavanaugh accuser, Deborah Ramirez. Why aren't they investigating Julie Swetnick? And the answer is probably, pretty obviously, right here in the litany of... uh, Let's just let Megyn Kelly tell the story about who Julie Swetnick is and a little bit of her history of dishonesty. Here we go. She faced allegations of her own misconduct during a stint at a Portland company 18 years ago. That company claims she told them she graduated from Johns Hopkins, but they learned the school had no record of her. Liar. She also falsely described her work experience at a prior employer. They 
Makes her a liar. Said she engaged in unwelcome sexually offensive conduct herself. They said she made false and retaliatory allegations against her coworkers that they had been inappropriate with her. They said she took medical leave and simultaneously claimed unemployment benefits at the same time in D.C. There was a restraining order filed against her by an ex-boyfriend. So the people who are very upset that the FBI is not looking into Julie Swetnick's allegations, there are reasons for that. I'm going to play that again because it was short enough and worth our time. It's 37 seconds you probably want and uh, you, you want to use again. Listen to the litany of things that completely destroy any credibility that Julie Swetnick could ever have hoped to have. Lied about her education, lied about her job, filed false allegations of sexual harassment against coworkers while making unwanted sexual advances on other coworkers taking vacation time and sick leave time at the same time. Is that what it was? Was it? Let's listen one more time. She faced allegations of her own misconduct during a stint at a Portland company 18 years ago. That company claims she told them she graduated from Johns Hopkins, but they learned the school had no record of her. She also falsely described her work experience at a prior employer. They said she engaged in unwelcome sexually offensive conduct herself. They said she made false and retaliatory allegations against her coworkers, that they had been inappropriate with her. They said she took medical leave and simultaneously claimed unemployment benefits at the same time in D.C. There was a restraining order filed against her by an ex-boyfriend. So the people who are very upset that the FBI is not looking into Julie Swetnick's allegations, there are reasons for that. that that's what it was. It was medical leave at the same time uh, claiming and filing for unemployment. In other words, this woman couldn't be trusted to tell you her name. This woman is a known habitual liar. A criminal? And her ex-boyfriend says, quite frankly, she's nuts. That's why we had to take out a restraining order, because she threatened her ex-boyfriend and the ex-boyfriend's new family. She is a nut. But now, the left, including Diane Feinstein, Dick Blumenthal, Maisie Hirono, Chuck Schumer, and more, want the FBI to spend valuable time, days, investigating Julie Swetnick's claims. Interview her some more. Talk to other people around her. Trust her to give you some verifiable information. And they wonder, and they're angry why the FBI is saying, yeah, we're not going over there. Because there is, I mean, honestly, and what I cannot really believe is that some of those very same liberal Democratic senators that I just mentioned continue to call her claims of abuse and gang rape, quote, credible. They say she has credibility. Goodness gracious. Has ever anything been more obvious than the delay tactics? They've got it to October 2nd. It's only one month and four more days they've got to delay. Stall, 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 delay, delay, delay until November 6th, then win the majority. Then we don't have to ever worry about Brett Kavanaugh again. They can't be allowed to get away with this. Kurt Schlichter is next. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 
935, now the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer, we're waiting for uh, Kurt Schlichter to reach uh, back with us. We're going to reconnect with him. And uh, Kurt, of course, is a senior columnist at townhall.com. He's a regular guest on this program anyway. So when he told me he had a book dropping uh, today called Militant Normals, I said, get me a copy, let me read it, and let's do this thing. Because uh, he's brilliant. He really is. He's, uh, he's a strong voice for the normal class, hence the name of the book, Militant Normals. Now, he's a little late calling in. Chances are he's in a media blitz today he's on uh, the air in a lot of different cities uh, all one back one you know back to back to back one after the other so he's probably being held over a little longer by somebody in his current city so he'll be uh, with us as soon as uh, as soon as we can get him but uh, meantime I want to share just a little bit about what this book is, uh, and we'll just kind of set it up so it'll save me some of that stuff when I get them on the air. Millet to normals how regular Americans are rebelling against the elite to reclaim our democracy we're in the middle of a non-kinetic civil war. And this is perfect, actually, because Kurt wrote a column for Town Hall today uh, in advance of the book just to kind of give you a little bit of a primer. And uh, it's a war between the normals who built, feed, and defend this country and an elite that cannot or worse will not stop hobos from defiling our sidewalks. We face a decision point. What is next? Either we get even more militant... <clears throat> Trump was a symptom, not the cause, or our useless ruling class, which hates our guts, is going to stamp its Birkenstocks into our faces forever. And that's, that's pretty doggone accurate. If you think that, that George Will is an awesome voice of true conservatism, you might want to pick up Stormy Daniels' autobiography instead. <laughs> it drops the same day, but probably appealing to different demographics. Uh, Kurtz is a story of people like us fighting for our rights, not a travelogue chronicling, well, the things that Stormy Daniels chronicles in her film career uh, in her journey from one end of the country to the other. The first chapter of Militant Normals that I'm going to ask Kurt about is, is about President Trump. Kurt was very much like me in, in one regard. He describes himself as being anti-Trump at the outset. And I was very anti-Trump during the primaries. I was very pro a number of other candidates in the Republican primaries in uh, 2015, late 2015, and throughout the summer of 2016 until we got to the nominating uh, convention in, uh, in Cleveland. Uh, but he says he was anti-Trump and then became Trump-curious and then became, this guy is filling all of my conservative fantasies like no one since Reagan. And I think that's very accurate in a lot, lot of ways. I don't know if I'd go all the way to like no one since Reagan, but clearly uh, I've gone from being anti-Trump in the primaries to, well, Trump curious at the end to, of course, I support Trump when his opponent is Hillary Clinton to absolutely cheering for President Trump and grateful for all of the accomplishments he has made and continues to just with this week. You know, how many people are talking about NAFTA? being gone and replaced by the new uh, trade agreement between the United States, Mexico, and Canada, negotiated by the man whose, whose career was built by the art of the deal. His career was built on the art of the deal, and now it's the art of the trade deal. And he, he pro This is another promise kept. President Trump, when he was running for office, said he would destroy NAFTA. He would tear it up and negotiate a better deal for America with our North American partners. It took uh, less than two years of his presidency, less than two years for him to get that done. And this is with adversarial partners. We're not exactly in a good working relationship with Mexico right now, given the issue of immigration and illegal immigration and their refusal to control their borders, thus affecting our borders. We're in a bad place right now with Mexico. Justin Trudeau in Canada 
is also kind of in the middle of a war of words, if you will, with, uh, with President Trump. This is not a positive relationship going on between the United States and Canada in all ways right now. So two very, you know, adversarial nations that we share this continent with, somehow, some way, President Trump got them to the table and agreed to rewrite our trade deals in a manner that is better for the United States, will be solid and positive and productive for them. Obviously, they're not just going to sign a deal that is bad for us, good for, for the United States. It has to be something that is mutually beneficial for all three nations. Clearly, what the president was able to do to get them to sign on, it is, it is just that. But it is also something that is going to help the United States manufacturers, help the United States uh, um, uh, continuing explosion of new jobs, etc. That's what this is all about. And the president got it done. Now, we'll see long-term, obviously, how people feel about this, but this is a fantastic accomplishment, and it's something, again, that just, you know, a few short months ago, maybe a lot of people, myself included, might not have might not have believed that. I'm told Kurt is with us. Uh, I bet he was never late when he was told to, uh, uh, to uh, well, I don't know if he was ever told to charge a hill, but I told you he's an Army veteran as well as an author and a senior columnist at townhall.com and a Los Angeles attorney, Los Angeles attorney, that is. He is with us now, Kurt Schlichter, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Kurt, how are you, sir? I'm, I'm doing good, but, you know, thanks for those lists of accomplishments, but they mean nothing. I drank beer in college. <laughs> Did you ever do shots of Uzo with Hewitt? <laughs> <laughs> wow! Great interview with great interview with you. Starts out breaking out the party uh, party stories. Yeah. That, that, that says a lot, Kurt. Uh, uh, Kurt Schlichter, Kurt, I've been talking a little bit about your book in your absence, and I'm so glad. Who's the hack, by the way, that kept you long, that stopped you from joining us on time? i got to have a word with whoever that was. Because I know <laughs> well, you're in the middle of the media blitz. Me. I look on the thing, I'm like, oh, he wants me to call him. Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all right. We got gotcha. you. All right, Militant Normals, well, how regular Americans. Make hmm. the best of it. Let's do that. Uh, how, how regular Americans are rebelling against the elite to reclaim our de- democracy. Kurt, I was just talking about your chapter one and because and how much it closely mirrors my own situation uh, in the summer of uh, well, 2015 and then into 2016 before the nominating convention in Cleveland. I was anti-Trump. Then I was Trump curious. And you describe yourself as going to all the way to this guy is now fulfilling my conservative fantasies. Why were you anti-Trump at the start? And what is it that flipped you? Well, look, this guy, I, look, I was a typical, you know, ideological conservative. I read National Review at the time. I also, uh, read the Weekly Standard until it evolved into a cruise shilling brochure full of sissies. Um, but it, 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 I didn't, I didn't get this guy. He, he just wasn't a conservative like Ronald Reagan. But as time went by, he kept saying the things that I believe. Uh, the guys who were supposed to be saying the things I believe, like Jeb and the rest of them, uh, uh, just couldn't break through. And this guy didn't take any guff. Bob, he, he, he fought. He stood up to these punks, and he had no no fake respect for the left. And, and he won me over by being conservative. Kurt, let's. I want to get to militancy, and I want to talk about what that means because you know, in your column for Town Hall today, yes, I did my homework there too. Uh, your column, in, you know, in advance of your book, you say either we get more militant, or the ruling class, which hates us, is going to stamp its Birkenstocks into our faces forever. What does militant mean to you? What are we saying here? Militant means a refusal to submit. 
a demand, uh, it means that we are demanding our rights. We're not asking to be treated with respect. We're not asking to participate in our own self-governance. We are demanding the right that we were imbued with when we were created, which is the right to self-government, the, uh, the right to speak freely, the right to practice our religion how we choose, the right to keep and bear arms. We're not asking the elite to let us do these things, which it wants to prevent us from doing. We're telling it. We're going to. And if you don't like it, you better get ready to fight. Kurt Schlichter is the author of Militant Normals, How Regular Americans Are Rebelling Against the Elite to Reclaim Our Society. Um, let's, let's tie this, because... And again, you did a great interview with Hugh Hewitt. It comes on right before me, so it was really it really helped me to kind of prep for this conversation. But I want you to tell it to those who didn't hear it. Um, the, the Brett Kavanaugh atrocity that we are seeing right now, what is this? the smear campaign, the defamation, the destruction of a man's good name, all for the purpose of politics. I, I just I don't know that there could be a better example of the war that we must undertake right now as militant normals against the ruling elite. What they are doing to this guy goes far beyond this guy. Brett Kavanaugh is just a kind of the face of all of this right now, but this is an attack on everything that this uh, democracy, this republic, rather, uh, you know, has been built on. Well, let, let's understand it. Brett Kavanaugh is normal. Now, you would think, oh my gosh, he's got a Yale degree, undergrad, and, and law, and he should be a threat. How could he possibly be anything but elite? But elite is really an attitude. This is a guy who uh, goes to church. This is a guy who coaches his kids' baseball, uh, uh, basketball team. This is a guy who drinks beer. He doesn't think he's better than anybody else. He doesn't want to make anybody else do anything or improve them. Liberals are they, they always trying to improve as possible. And he has become the face of everything the elite hates because they know he will stand up to the elite because he will stand up for the Constitution as written. This it, 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 The attack on, uh, on Brett Kavanaugh is an attack on every one of us. And... You know, it, it, it's hard to understand how they think it's going to succeed. If you, I've been waiting for polls to come in, and they're starting to. Uh, Kramer is up by 10 over high camp in North Dakota. He was up by 2 about two weeks ago. Okay. Every American male out there realized the third of a century ago uh, they were at some party, and some girl made uncorroborated allegations against them to ruin them. Every woman has a husband or a brother or a son. Who could be the victim of that? See, everything go down the drain because somebody says something. And of course, we got to believe them, even if it's you know the Duke Lacrosse team or UVA frat or or, or any of the uh, you know, any of the many people you're seeing who, who who get released from prison after 20 years when somebody recants their rape allegation. It, 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 it's it, this isn't going to work. The elite is simply not going to be able to pull this off because we're going to stamp our feet. We did it with the silent majority under Nixon. We did it with uh, Reagan over Carter. Tried to do it with the uh, Tea Party. Unfortunately, the conservative side of the elite sided with the elite. Tried to put, tried to you know, put it back and put the genie back in the bottle with the Tea Party, and it just, kept, you know, kept boiling. The pressure kept building, and then you got Trump. Kurt uh, Kurt Schlichter is uh, is our guest. Um, could one argue, though, Kurt, that they've already won at least 
in terms of the Kavanaugh part of this. I know it may not, it may bite them in November, but, but here we are. It's October 2nd. We're one month and four days away from that election that they've been trying to stall this nomination to get to. I think every word of what Lindsey Graham said last Thursday was, was accurate. They want to get this thing past the 2020 midterm. They want to get, or 2018 midterm rather. They want to get to 2020 so they can re, they can elect a Democrat president. They will allow no one to fill this seat in the, in the, uh, two years between now and then. Um, and, and once they can control the Senate, of course, they can do exactly that. I mean, two weeks ago, if somebody would have said we still wouldn't have confirmed Brett Kavanaugh, and we wouldn't even be close to even having the vote right now, we'd have said, you know, people have said, you're nuts. They've already won. They've advanced this thing three weeks further than it was supposed to. Now we're just a month. They've got a month to go. Now we've got to work on Swetnick. We've got to work on the next, you know, dredge of society that they were able to, to, to pull up from the swamp and try to make another allegation. Oh, we have to have an investigation on that one. We'll do that one on October 14th. I feel like they're already winning. You know, the Japanese won Pearl Harbor, and they won the Battle of the Coral Sea, and then they got destroyed at Midway, and we kicked their rears all the way to Tokyo for the next three years after that. Look, sometimes you lose. I was a colonel for 27 years. I studied this military stuff. You don't win all the time. It's a setback, and we're going to turn it around, and we're going to have the vote, and we're going to confirm Kavanaugh, and we're going to win in the midterms. And we're going to keep going because the alternative is surrender. The alternative is submission. I don't know any Americans who are into submission. Well, maybe maybe some of the ones who live in Los Angeles, but you know, I'm not judging their lifestyle. <laughs> we we are in a tough fight. They're not going to give up their power and position and prestige easily. Look at the look at the diehard you know never Trump type. You know the Bill Crystal. Hold on. Join in with the liberals. Collaborating anything to keep their little grubby paws on their grubby little finishers. Yeah, that's give up. up. Well, there you go. And which which brings us to militant normals. Exactly right. They're not going to give up and they're not going to stop. I'll tell you one thing. You give them credit for this, if nothing else. You know, they're evil. They're despicable. They're dirty. They're underhanded. But they are persistent. They absolutely are committed to this, which is why we must be militant as normals. And and just to kind of tie it into this whole thing. um, Can you tell us, speaking of of, of your book, Militant Normals by Kurt Schlichter, you've got to get this book. I love what Hugh Hewitt had to say this, uh, this morning, by the way. Buy one for everybody you know. Christmas is coming for crying out loud. Put this under every tree. It is a great thing because we do. We need people to read this and understand this to really kind of, uh, you know, uh, unify ourselves, I suppose. Uh, and, and so, Kurt, tell us uh, about Caden. Caden is your, your poster child. You describe him as your poster punk from Santa Monica. Tell us about Caden. Well, look, first of all, let's be real clear. This is not a Batan death march of political science jargon and a bunch of uh, uh, heavy talk. Yeah, I got a, I got a political science degree. I got a, a work college degree. I got a law degree. I don't write like that. It's funny. And anybody who reads your column, any, Kurt, anybody who goes to townhall.com and reads your twice weekly column knows that. We know how you write. Anybody who listens to this show, you know, I know you write the way you speak because, uh, and that's what makes you so unique and so, uh, so much fun to have on the air. So yeah, if anybody, you know, has read Kurt's columns or heard him on this program, that's the way the book is written. It's written in Schlichter speak. It's not written in legalese and that's important. <laughs> Well, look, I, I, I want I, I talk about what a militant normal is, but I also talk about what the elite is and how you get them. And I talk about a guy from Westside L.A., because I live in Westside L.A., named Caden, and how he grows up from a, you know, from a little designer baby, from a, a mom who hands him off to her uh, illegal alien maid to uh, be raised, 
to uh, you know grow up to be a, a, a tail-eating, nitpicky, resistant, and it, it, it's just it, and it's funny because it's true. You know, I see these people every day. Look, I was born in Ohio. I don't know if I ever told you. I was born in Ohio, but I got you know everyone there was so nice and generous and genuine. I had to get out of there. I had to go to Los Angeles. But uh, you know, these are the people I grow. I I I, I live with. I look. You know, for so many people there, I'm like a Christian army officer conservative. I'm diversity for everybody I know in Los Angeles. So, like, I know one. It's Kurt. Kurt, but, uh, no, I'm sorry. Continue. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, that's okay. I heard that pause. I wasn't sure if you were done with that point. So, so when when you when you um, uh, tell the story of what a militant normal is, what do you want people to do when when you talk about militancy and you say we either get more militant or we get trampled? What do we have to do? Is it just the old the standard call your congressman? Is it social media fighting? Because I got to tell you, I absolutely abhor social media. I, I I know it's a good place to unify and to kind of uh, you know collaborate with other like minded people and so on and so forth. But I abhor social media, particularly. Twitter because of all of the uh, you know the unfairness and the the imbalance and the and the the censorship of conservatism and so on and so forth. But if I don't take part in it, if we don't take part in it, then the left just tramples us with their propaganda and it goes unchecked. So how do people? Is it by social? Is it by just attending rallies? How do we become more militant and stand up to the elite so we don't get trampled, Kurt? Well, here's my answer. I don't know. You know. You're an American citizen. Everyone listening to this knows their situation, knows their strengths, knows their weaknesses, knows their preferences, knows what they don't like. You make a decision about how to participate. There's a million ways, you know, social media, participate in elections. Talk to people where you see them. It's a, it's a supermarket or church or wherever. You are American citizens. You know how to run your lives. You know how to do this better than me. I'm not here to guide you. I'm not here to uh, tell you what to do. You know better than anybody else what to do. You know, I trust the American people to figure out for themselves how they do this. My way, I write the book. I write Militant Normals. I write it on town hall. I get on and I talk on the media. That's how I do it. Other people can do it our way. So if it means just sitting down for coffee with somebody and going, hey, you know, we've got to stand up against this stuff. Yeah. Kurt, I, that is... I that is so great advice. I'm sorry. That That is great advice, and that's such a great point. I mean, everybody kind of has their own life. Everybody kind of has their own place in life. It, you know, it, geographically across the country, every place is different. So different tactics are going to work for different people. But the bottom yeah. line is you cannot be silent. You absolutely need to stand up. That's what Militant Normalcy is all about. The book is Militant Normals, How Regular Americans Are Rebelling Against the Elite to Reclaim Our Democracy by Kurt Schlichter. Again, buy one, and then buy one for somebody else you know. So to make sure they read it as well, so that we do indeed have some sort of a unified stand uh, against the elites that are continuing to try to destroy this country as we know it. Kurt, always fun. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Glad we were able to catch up. We'll talk again soon. Excellent. Thank you for having me. You got it. Best of luck, sir. Thank you very much. Kurt Schlichter, author of Militant Normals. And again, he's a senior columnist with townhall.com. And you should always start your day with townhall.com news. That's what I do. All right, let's get out now, and then we'll come back in again right here on AM 1420. All right, it is 10 o'clock now, so we're going to go right to our newscast. On the other side of that, we're going to follow up Kurt Schlichter with, oh, really, there's only one person who can do better than that, than that and that would be Peter Kersenow. Peter Kersenow, right after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Blitzer. It's a Tuesday, the second morning of the month of October in the year of our Lord, 2018. I can't say it often enough. Make sure you check out that book by uh, Kurt Schlichter. It's called Militant Normals. Make sure you get one for yourself and for everybody else that you know for Christmas. It's coming up quick. Birthdays are just, uh, just I, I like what Hugh said today. Leave a copy of it uh, laying around your office in a few different places uh, and make sure other people have access to it. It's a very, very good and important read, as is every conversation that I have with the great Peter Kersenow, who is back with us once again here on AM 1420, The Answer. And i got to do this right here before I bring Peter on here. Peter Kersenow, I was on the air last hour. And uh, I was telling everyone the story of uh, my adventures on Thursday night at the uh, Republican Party of Calgary County um, uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And I, I was speaking about how many people came up to me to tell me how much they liked my show. And then I would say, start to say thank you. And then they would say, when Peter Kersenow was on it. And I was oh, yeah, right. I got it. Yes. And more and more people said to me, you got to have more of Peter Kersenow. So my friend, and I think you may know Khalid Namar as well, uh, tweeted to me earlier today. It's saying, Bob, Peter's opening theme music needs to be Give the People What They Want by the OJs. And sure <laughs> enough, I, I, you know what? Hey, I thought it was a great idea, so I went, I went ahead and rolled with it. How are you, Pete? I'm doing great. That's uh, very kind of you to say, Bob. And you were great during the um, Hall of Fame uh, ceremonies. Although I did note that you called me a hack twice. I mean, ignore that. I put that. I wrote that down. I'm never going to forget that. But well, you shouldn't be. But that. But that. You know, that's the thing. I don't know if anybody else noticed the setup there because yes, I was talking about how when I first started four years ago, and they told me about the Kirsten reports. I said, "Who's this hack? I mean, he's not even a broadcaster. You know, who's this hack?" I did say it twice in order to set up. The line, which is once I started hearing you speak and hearing Chris and our reports, I realized who the hack was. It was me. And none of your audience got that <laughs> at, the, uh, at the dinner. I was like, did y'all hear that? Uh, Pete's not the hack I am, and I, don't, I think it fell flat. But uh, yeah, the, the introduction was, was the uh, highlight of the evening, Bob. I really appreciate it. Thanks very well, much. So, well, it was, that, it was my was pleasure. Awesome. Pete, how many days? Eighteen. 18 days till the World Series. They're going to have to do it. we get there? I have to admit, I'm a little nervous. Uh, so am I. A tough road to hoe. Uh, Houston's going to be pr- a problem. You know, we've got, uh, I don't know uh, what Tito's going to do with Bauer and how he's going to utilize him, um, whether or not he's got enough work in before the playoffs start. At some point, he will have enough work in, but it looks like he's going to probably use him as a long reliever for at least the first part of the playoffs. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, he's only announced um, he's only announced the first two um, uh, starts, which is Kluber and Carrasco. He has not said what he's going to do in Game Three yet, so time will indeed tell. All right, Pete, let's dive into this now. Um, as it pertains to the Kavanaugh situation, con- which continues to be the most important news story in America right now, uh, I want to talk uh, not as much about Christine Blasey Ford here at the start. I want to talk about journalism, and I want to talk about uh, the second part of, uh, of of this of this event. Um, last night on NBC slash MSNBC, but the parent company, they held an interview, or they uh, played an interview that was conducted between Kate Snow, or by Kate Snow, with Julie Swetnick, who is accuser number three, the one who says, Brett Kavanaugh's a gang rapist, and everybody just missed it. All of those six um, FBI investigations and background checks just missed the fact that he's a gang rapist. Um, So NBC decides to air this interview with 
the disclaimer before the interview is is played uh, that I'll share with you right now. This is uh, Kate Snow on MSNBC kind of setting the table. The president today questioned her credibility and NBC News, for the record, has not been able to independently verify her claims. There are things that she told us on camera that differ from her written statement last We've been trying independently to reach out to anyone who remembers attending parties with Julie Swetnick and Brett Kavanaugh, and we've been asking her attorney for names so far. We've not found anyone who remembers that. She's so, so Pete, NBC, this is, this is journalism in, and media in 2018. NBC says, we can't independently corroborate anything she's about to say that we're about to play for you. By the way, what she said to us differs from the sworn affidavit that she released to the public through her creepy porn lawyer attorney, Michael Avenatti, a week ago. So we know she's a liar, either now to us or on the affidavit, either way. And oh, by the way, we even asked her attorney for some witnesses who can corroborate this. We got nothing. But here it is. Anyway, prime time, listen to Julie Swetnick defame and slander Brett Kavanaugh on live television. Pete, that's that's as much a part of the story, in my opinion, as the smear job and the delay install job that the Senate Democrats are doing. I agree with you entirely, Bob. We talked about that a little bit. Ninety-six percent of the coverage of the Kavanaugh hearings by mainstream media has been done from the accusers, or that is Christine Ford's and Swetnick and Ramirez's perspective. 96% and only 4% have taken the position. In other words, think about this, Bob. The only verifiable facts we have come from Brett Kavanaugh. Those are the only facts we have. Yet the media spend 96% of their time on allegations that are unfounded, uncorroborated. In fact, to the extent there is any corroboration, the designated witnesses from Ford herself take Kavanaugh's position. Yet when it comes to facts, and Kavanaugh was replete with facts in all of his testimony throughout his confirmation hearings, we only get 4% coverage. Is there any wonder that some who don't pay a whole lot of attention to these things, but now I think almost everybody's riveted to it, but a lot of independents, people who don't have a dog in the fight, have are completely oblivious to the fact that Christine Ford, despite the fact that a lot of people, it's incomprehensible that they say that Ford is credible when she is the epitome of in credible. There is virtually nothing she has said other than I accuse that can be verified. She accused him. There is an allegation out there, but none of the facts stand up and some are intrinsically implausible. So this is what the media has become. It has been for a long time the propaganda arm of the Democratic Party, but it's worse now because what they are doing is they will admit they've got nothing But nonetheless, they think it's imperative to do a couple of things. Number one, help the Democratic Party. Number two, advance the positions of the left. And number three is to destroy a man of impeccable character and integrity. This man has gone through a full-scale exam from so many different quarters, six FBI investigations. You know that since his name was announced, the Democrats have been overturning every stone they possibly can to find something. Now they're talking about a fight. Bob, i got to tell you, 
if any of us were held to this standard, no one would ever ascend to the Supreme Court. If they're nope. talking about some fight he had when he was in college, I got to tell you, Bob. Uh, first of all, I was a bouncer in college, so I had a number of fights. But I've I've had fights virtually. I've, I've had fights in my adult life, frankly. Uh, you know, and you know they weren't major fights. It's not like I was pulling out chains and knives or anything like that. Right. But there might be a push. There might be a shove. When I was in in high school, a lot more of those kinds of fights. But nonetheless, who one of the, one of the phrases that I think captured the those who aren't really paying close attention and don't have a big ideological fight in this is when Kavanaugh very forthrightly on Friday said or on Thursday said, "I like beer." I tell you, he captured about 40% of the electorate with that. He was so forthright, but also demonstrating the abject absurdity of the mainstream media and the Senate Democrats in digging down and drilling down into every absurdity they could find. They, they, they uh, beclowned themselves. They covered themselves with shame. But more important, they have irretrievably revealed themselves, even to those who really don't really pay a whole lot of attention, to, as to how partisan and biased and corrupt they truly are. And, Bob, you've hit upon one of the major stories here. Not only are we on a path where we could potentially lose America, and you and I have talked about this for several years in the advent to the 2016 election, that we are at or near a tipping point. And I have to admit, I think I may have missed the boat. I think we were already at and maybe slightly beyond the tipping point. And now the Democrats and progressives in the media, but I repeat myself, have just ripped off the mask, no pretense any longer. They're going full-throated demagoguery, and it's very similar. This is not an exaggeration on my part at all. This is very similar without the guns and, of course, the tremendous depredations, but in terms of the ideology and the approach to what happened in the Soviet Union and other totalitarian states that brook no consent and will destroy people in order to maintain power. Peter Kirsten, I was our guest on uh, AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, let me pivot to Jeff Flake. Uh, as of Friday when we went off the air uh, and you and I stopped talking, we had a special visit with you on Friday because of the testimony that happened on Thursday. Um, Jeff Flake was a go. He was, uh, yes, he announced he would be voting to confirm Judge Kavanaugh. And uh, we got the same thing from Bob Corker, and it seemed like everything was ready to go, and this should have been done by now. But then, of course, we know what happened. He was cornered in an elevator by two operatives working for George Soros, pretending to be impassioned survivors. And how dare you? you that show, shows you don't believe all women. Uh, all women are liars because he said he was going to vote to confirm Judge Kavanaugh. That means he said all women are liars, by the way, uh, who come forward with stories. Uh, and we all know what happened from there. Now we sit here in the middle of this invest FBI investigation that Flake was uh, largely responsible for, along with Coons and the rest of the Democrats. Um, what do you think happens at the end of this investigation now that um, the, the White House has reportedly put some limits on the scope of it and the time on it? Mitch McConnell has said, we're going to vote this week, come hell or high water. Uh, the Democrats are saying, oh, that just proves that this investiga- investigation, this investigation rather, is a sham. It's a fraud. It's a farce. It's not going to mean anything because of what they're doing to it. Will Flake and others be satisfied with the limited investigation that has been ordered here, or are we going to go into next week and the week after and continue this inexorable march toward November 6th without having a confirmation vote? Um, As always, it depends on where the votes stand, but I truly believe that at the end of this week, 
McConnell has already announced we're having a vote. Okay, it's going to happen. And he said that before. He said that last week, and then Flake, appropriately named, flaked out. I don't know what Flake is going to do. If I were going to bet, if you said that my dog's lives depended on this, I would say that he's going to vote no on Kavanaugh because he is a Flake. Uh, I've had my own dealings with the man uh, going back years ago, and I remember telling my assistant, this, this guy, I don't know how he got into the Senate, but he's appropriately named. And he's manifesting that same dynamic right now, and this at a much higher level. But nonetheless, even if he's a no, I do think there's a fair probability that, uh, and a fairly decent probability, that Murkowski and Collins are going to vote yes. But more important, I think we get cover from Heidkamp, possibly Manchin, who's already indicated he's on the bubble. He changed his position from a no to a maybe. But you look at the most recent polls, they're extremely interesting, Bob. I know you, you watch these things. But in the last week, despite the onslaught from the media and the Democrats, the polls have been moving in the Republicans' favor in those red state Senate races where you've got Democrats who are challenged by Republicans. Heidkamp is now toast. She is 10 points down. She may decide, well, I'm, I have nothing to lose. I may as well vote no anyway and be a do- good Democrat. But my, my guess is she's going to try to survive. Then you've got Donnelly in Indiana against Mike Brown, I think he's at 0.5% differential. And all of these incumbents, all of these Democrat red state incumbents are under 50%. That's danger territory for an incumbent. If you haven't made the deal or sold the goods by now, and you're not over 50%, you're in true danger. Because as we all know, the undecideds usually break predominantly uh, to the challenger. So Mike Brown is in a dead heat. McCaskill is now Behind, she was in the rear clear politics of average. I think it was 0.3 percent, which was a dead heat. She's now four points behind in the most recent polls against uh, Josh Hawley, is his name, I think it is. And Tester went from being nine points up to a dead heat. Now keep in mind that it seems like whenever Donald Trump holds a rally in these states, all of a sudden, boom, the polls shift dramatically. And here's another one: Bill Nelson in Florida. Something I hadn't been watching. Bill Nelson, the incumbent there, he's only one. Over, over Rick Scott, and that's danger zone. That's real danger zone. So I think, I think some of these vulnerable Democrats might cast a vote for Kavanaugh. Well, we can only hope that's the case. Pete, let me get out now so we can check our traffic. We'll come back in and finish up with you. Peter Kersenow on AM 1420, The Answer, back after this. Thanks, Bob. All right, 1025 now. Uh, we got Peter Kirsten out with us on AM 1420. The answer just been informed. Peter is good to go for a third segment into about 1040. Very, very happy about that. That means I can use this segment, Pete, getting your opinion in response to this. Peter Kirsten, of course, is a member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, as well as being a Cleveland attorney. Chuck Schumer's office apparently has received a complaint. Um, someone alleging sexual misconduct against him, against the Senate Minority Leader. I want you to listen to this question from a reporter, and then the answer, and tell me what jumps out at you. Can you comment on the reports about um, a phony allegation that was made yeah. against your office? Yeah, it was a phony allegation, forged, false from start to finish, and we are pursuing every legal path to those who might have broken the law be prosecuted for it. Stunning. Uh... 
Pete, before the response from Sorry. Schumer, what jumped out at you about the question from the reporter? Yeah, well, it, it wasn't a question. It was an editorial. My goodness. Why don't they say when they ask questions of Kavanaugh or anyone who's supporting Kavanaugh, what do you think about these phony, ridiculous 36-year-old allegations? <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> She's led him into it. Said, uh, could, you, could you comment, please, on these phony allegations against your office? <laughs> and say, yes, exactly right. They're phony. They were phony from start to finish. Isn't it, whatever happened, Pete, Pete, to hashtag believe women? Hashtag believe survivors. If a woman levies an allegation, it doesn't have to be corroborated. It doesn't have to be uh, evidenced. It just has to be made. And now Chuck Schumer should should bear the burden of proving his innocence rather than uh, talking about prosecuting this 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 faker, this liar, this uh, uh, this storyteller who has made this phony allegation. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, like the media, as many have said, are Democrats with press credentials. If anyone has any doubt, and I'm sure that long ago it was completely erased that the media is in the pocket of, or maybe even as some say, driving the Democrats, then all doubt has been released. One of the things about the kind of crucible, the kind of situation we're in with respect to the Kavanaugh hearings is it makes it easier to spot the corrupt and makes it a lot easier to spot the idiots. The media has covered themselves in shame throughout this entire episode. The abject corruption, not bias, Bob, corruption on their part. For example, you mentioned earlier about the two activists that confronted Flake in the elevator. Think about that. It's just as bad as this question you just posed. First of all, for quite some time, we didn't hear that these two quote-unquote women or concerned women were actually Soros-paid advocates. They were activists. Second, they forgot to mention the fact that when you listen to the tape, listen to the tape, the one says that I was sexually assaulted, and media stopped there and went and ran with it to project some type of sympathy for her and cold hardness on a part of Republicans, especially Jeff Flake. But she said, I was assaulted. Nobody believed me. I didn't tell anyone. Pause for a second and think about that. How many telepaths do you have in your office, Bob? <laughs> if you don't tell anyone, how the heck is anyone going to believe you? Exactly. But, but the media doesn't report, and they just, they just gloss over those things, and they seize upon the littlest things when it comes to Kavanaugh. They were actually entertaining Sheldon Whitehouse's examination related to boofing, the funniest thing in the world. And when Kavanaugh came back and said that flatulence, Senator, really quickly, that was the highlight of... I've had my interactions with Sheldon Whitehouse, and I, know, I think I've mentioned it to you, Bob. The guy is completely obtuse, partisan, but extremely obtuse. But the fact that that wasn't a, a meme for Saturday Night Live, but instead they had Matt Damon, who has his own issues going after Kavanaugh or, or, or trying to make fun of Kavanaugh, it tells you humor is completely dead in this country because all of the humor on this side... By the way, dead serious, but if you're going to find any humor, it's on the other side. They're be clowning themselves. Very, very well said, Peter Kirsten. Now, we'll take that time right now, get our news. We'll come back. I want to talk a little bit more uh, also about Julie Swetnick, the third accuser, because the left is beside itself that she is not getting the FBI's attention. The FBI is so far talking only to Ford and uh, witnesses surrounding that allegation and the second one uh, uh, from the woman who claimed that uh, he exposed herself to her while at Yale, Deborah Ramirez, I believe is her name. But nobody is talking to Swetnick, and they are livid about that. I want to get your opinion on that as we continue as well. Peter Kirsten, now one more segment on AM 1420, The Answer.
1052, final segment of the broadcast on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for joining us. Thanks also again to Kurt Schlichter, who joined us in the 9 o'clock hour of the program, Peter Kersenow, who just finished with us. Some really, really amazing stuff. I, I told Pete that I wanted to get to the FBI investigation and how the left is just apoplectic, that the FBI is not interviewing Julie Swetnick, how they are only focusing on the first two accusers and not Michael Avenatti's ridiculous client with her ridiculous fake stories and so on and so forth. And uh, I I wanted to get to that with Pete, but I ran out of time. And this is what I was going to play for him. Megyn Kelly on NBC perhaps has the reason why the FBI doesn't want to interview Julie Swetnick, because she is a career-long liar and criminal. Here's an example. She faced allegations of her own misconduct during a stint at a Portland company 18 years ago. That company claims she told them she graduated from Johns Hopkins, but they learned the school had no record of her. She also falsely described her work experience at a prior employer. They said she engaged in unwelcome sexually offensive conduct herself. They said she made false and retaliatory allegations against her coworkers, that they had been inappropriate with her. They said she took medical leave and simultaneously claimed unemployment benefits. At the same time in D.C., there was a restraining order filed against her by an ex-boyfriend. So the people who are very upset that the FBI is not looking into Julie Swetnick's allegations, there are reasons for that. Avenatti's been begging for the FBI. What a shock. He's been begging for TV cameras. He has been begging for TV cameras. I mean, every single one of these these accusers is just so full of you-know-what. I am sick and blasted tired of people saying, well, they're very sympathetic. They're very uh, clearly something happened to them, but it's their mistaken identity with Brett Kavanaugh. No, they are not credible. No, they are not sympathetic. No, they should not be believed. Yes, they should all be prosecuted and thrown into pits for a decade or more for trying to destroy a good man's life and career and family for political gain. Enough is enough. Vivian in North Royalton, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. Hey, Bob, nice to talk to you. Thank you for taking my call. I uh, saw that interview with Julie Swetnick, and I'm about the same age, and something uh, stuck out at me. She talked about them handing out the red Solo cups. Well, I hate to tell her, but those didn't become popular till the 90s as a party cup. And I remember in the 80s, that was not something standard, and I think that was a total anachronism on her part. That's a very interesting point. And even so, I mean, let's just for the sake of discussion, and I'm glad you brought this up, Vivian, because she said she she didn't see him filling the cups. She didn't see him uh, spiking the punch. As a matter of fact, she said, I saw him near the punch, and I saw him giving solo cups to people. Uh, as if somehow that is a crime in and of itself. Yeah, How I about know. this, you stupid, lazy, SO, you know what? Not you, of course. I'm speaking to Julie Swetnick. How about you get to the part where all of the people saw him and a bunch of other guys in a line to take their turns at rape? How about right. you give us, how about you give us something that implicates him, uh, for that? And obviously she has nothing. I'm sorry to lose right. my temper well, on this. It's so no, infuriating, and, uh, Vivian. Bob, I, I, I want to thank you for yesterday. I caught your rant about, uh, Dr. Ford. And I'm, like I said, about her age. And I can tell you, I remember, I can give you at least an idea of whose house it was, or at least an idea of how I might have gotten home. I just don't buy that she has uh, no memory of all that, but she's 100% sure it was Brad Kavanaugh. Yeah, and and clearly, she she didn't walk home. 
We have to know this because, you know, the house that they think this was, this was at is eight miles from her home. So she didn't walk. Somebody drove her home. How is with all of this news going on and FBI and media and people all snooping around that region of, of, uh, of Washington where they were all from and everything else? How has no driver been uncovered? How has no, some, how has nobody come forward and said, Oh my God. I drove uh, Christine home that night. She seemed right. upset. She didn't say anything, yeah. but she seemed... I, I drove her home from that. No one. I mean, there is absolutely, absolutely nothing. So thank you for not tippy-toeing around that and coming right out and saying what we're all thinking out here, men and women, and I appreciate you. Amen. God bless. Thank okay. you, Vivian. I appreciate your call, and thank you for saying that as well. Uh, Esther in Cleveland next. Hi, Esther. Go ahead. Thanks. That same tweet was exactly what I was going to call about. I heard it last night for the first time on the Joe Walsh show about halfway through. He said it was broad. I mean, he said it was tweeted during the hearings, and he was wondering why it wasn't taken off. He mentioned some things about the tweet. He mentioned item by item. I think you were not able to mention everything that's in that tweet. But just just today, I was thinking, well, she's proposing something that's illegal when you propose harm or even do harm to somebody who's no longer living. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is, that is exactly right. That's exactly what she's doing. And, 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 and the part about just, just declaring them guilty because, or I'm sorry, first of all, declaring him a serial rapist without evidence whatsoever. Second of all, saying that these men, because they're white, deserve to be, to die a terrible death while feminists laugh over their final gasps and then, then castrating them and so on and so forth. You know, Esther, it's, it's, every single bit of it, it just gets more and more evil, more and more disgusting, more and more demonic. Every single step that they take every word that they utter every every allegation that they make and i just can only hope and pray that god is watching and god is going to hold people accountable for their actions thanks always for your your uh, service thank you god bless you thanks for the call john and chardon's going to wrap it up for us hi john go ahead yo bob under yo, john. the category of uh, being careful of what you wish for the democrats are pushing for a delay of the kavanaugh conf- uh, confirmation of course. If the Republicans can't be sure of the votes to confirm Kavanaugh, then delay until after the election may not be such a bad thing when you consider all the uh, Democrat senators' seats that are being contested in the, in the election. Because well, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a terrible idea because the, the, uh, the House is almost certain, according to virtually everybody, including Republican analysts and pollsters, the House is almost certain to flip blue. Uh, which means Nancy Pelosi or somebody else in the Democrats' camp is going to have the gavel. And when they have the majority in the House, they can indeed file articles of impeachment against Donald Trump. And when they do that, they will automatically say a president facing impeachment cannot be allowed to appoint a lifetime justice to the Supreme Court. And then they keep it open. That's all the time I've got. Gallagher's next. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. All right, 1034 now, the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer, and we continue with Peter Kersenow. Peter, of course, is a Cleveland attorney, the author of Target, Omega, and Second Strike. These are political thrillers that you absolutely have to read. Those are great ideas. I mentioned Kurt Schlichter's new book, which drops today, which is a different story, of course. It's called Militant Normals, uh, and it's about saving our democracy. Pete's are fiction works, but they're phenomenal, and if you're looking for great Christmas gifts, uh, it is October now, so you should start shopping. Make sure you look at Target, Omega, and Second Strike. Pete, I want to share this with you. 
particularly because you uh, work for the uh, U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. Now, the ACLU, the Civil Liberties Union, is a little bit different, but I want to get your thoughts on this. This is a tweet from the ACLU. Um, as of yesterday, 3.18 p.m., the language in the tweet is the following. New. When we said we're going to use the full force of the ACLU to stop Brett Kavanaugh, we meant it. We're spending more than $1 million to run ads like this in Nebraska, Colorado, West Virginia, and Alaska. Give this a listen. We've seen this before. Denials from powerful men. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I've never seen anything like this. I categorically and unequivocally deny the allegation against me by Dr. Ford. America is watching. And as we choose a lifetime seat on our highest court, integrity matters, and we cannot have any doubt. Senator Gardner, oppose the confirmation of Judge Kavanaugh. Pete, uh, in, case you couldn't, in case you couldn't place the voices, and I'm sure you could, uh, they included yeah. Brett Kavanaugh with Bill Clinton and Bill Cosby. Uh, and declared these to be powerful men who issued denials. Clinton, of course, was proven guilty. Cosby, of course, has been proven guilty and sentenced. Brett Kavanaugh apparently has the same thing. This is the ACLU. I thought they were the champions of due process, for goodness sakes. Pete, go ahead. Yeah, you know, they have identified themselves now as an organ exclusively of the left, not of civil liberties, but of the left and of the Democratic Party. If you're going to contribute to the ACLU, know that's what they are doing. And that's fine if that's what they want to do. But it's an abomination, unequivocally so, to equate Brett Kavanaugh, who has been judged guilty of absolutely nothing, who has been smeared unmercifully, against whom there is absolutely not one iota of evidence of sexual misconduct with Bill Clinton and Bill Cosby. That is an abomination. No one should be forgiven for something like that. They are smearing a good man. I wish I could aspire. When I grow up, I want to be Brett Kavanaugh. I wish I was number one in my class in every iteration of education that I ever received. I wish well, my family is, is, is the equivalent or better than Brett Kavanaugh's family, but my goodness, what a great family he has. The left can't identify with a God-fearing man who comports himself the way the American ideal used to be for men. And every single person who knows him, every single person who's interacted with him, by the way, who doesn't have an agenda, says this is a prince of a human being. This guy has sat on the D.C. circuit, before which I practiced quite a bit, for 12 years. 12 years, and we're given to believe that something, even if you take what they say at face value to some extent, that he drank, and he admits yeah, he likes beer, and that to me is a vote in his favor. But <laughs> even, if, even if you take that, this man has demonstrated a fidelity to the rule of law at the highest level for 12 years. No one has ever said boo about him other than he's an outstanding jurist. And now his life is being ripped apart by these Lilliputians. Well, that's because he committed a crime. Agenda. 
Yeah, yeah well, that, right. all of that was before he committed a crime. And the yeah, crime and, and remember, was to accept an, uh, an appointment by President Trump. President precisely. Trump is the enemy here. President Trump must be stopped. President Trump must be resisted. Hashtag resistance. And that includes his Supreme Court appointment. And, and Brett Kavanaugh, by saying, yes, Mr. President, I will serve and I will go through this process, that in and of itself was a crime to the American left, and they're making him pay a very heavy price for accepting that. But what, one of the things that bothers me about all these organizations, the media and others who are saying these things is, as opposed to uh, Christine Ford, you might be able to plausibly assert that she is, you, there's no way you can assert she's credible because she has no evidence. That's the essence of credibility. But you could say in good faith, but, but, if you wanted to, that she is sincere. But with respect to all these organizations in the news media, you cannot for the life of your anybody that you hold dear say that they're being sincere other than their sincerity in forwarding a progressive agenda and destroying this good man and understand as you've just said they're after donald trump but not really donald trump is the figure the emblem of what they're going after they are going after each and every one of us bob they're saying that the way we hold ourselves out as Americans, as God-fearing people, as people who believe in the rule of law. They want to trash us, and they want to take us to a completely different environment, a scary one that is un-American. Yeah, I said it. I'll pair it to Mark Levin. Yeah, it's an un-American one in the true essence. Where were these folks, the same people who lionize all of those individuals who were the subject of McCarthy hearings, where are they now? This is McCarthy all over again with the complicity of the media. And consider one of the other things about this is it is identity politics gone mad. They keep talking about Kavanaugh as a man of white privilege. Now, I really, and the senators, and, too, Pete, Pete, if I may, that, that has been a big thing. I don't know if you, you've been watching Tucker. I know you appear on Tucker a lot. But uh, the last few nights, he has been very big about the racial component of this, the identity politics component of it. The senators, the fact that the GOP senators are all white men has been just beat over the head. That that part of the story has just been beating the public over the head with this for, for, for three weeks now. Old white men, old white men, old white men. This is an attempt to es- essentially say that these uh, privileged white patriots Patriarchs are the ones who are continuing to try to, I don't even know what, considering the quote-unquote victim in these uh, allegations is also white, but they're the ones who are trying to continue to get over. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's uh, frankly, it's incoherent, but it's also dangerous and it's part of their agenda. The group politics, identity politics is part of their agenda, and it's always been a part of the, the left's agenda in order to aggregate power unto themselves, divide people up into the groups, and then make appeals to those various groups. This is extraordinarily dangerous. They're upsetting the rule of law, but among other things, those folks who are concerned about you know, some unfair allegation being placed against themselves. Think about this. What does white have to do with anything? What does uh, We were at a place in the society for such a long time where, you know, we were trying to fight against those kinds of designations as somehow being proof of or, uh, guilt or innocence. I didn't realize that being male, that is, having a Y chromosome, that the Y chromosome is defective and is a lying gene, apparently. Exactly. So what about... What, are, what does being white have anything to do with it? What does, I, for a long time in this country, if you were black and an accusation was made against you by a white person, the, whatever excuse you came up with was automatically not believed and the white was credited. We're doing just 
the reverse of that now, and now it's being done with respect to uh, gender. Uh, it's being done with respect to every other immutable characteristic you can think of, because that is the divide-and-conquer strategy, or the divide-and-aggregate strategy of certain classes that the left is up to. This is a dangerous, what? and it's also, it, 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 it drives a rift throughout society. This is poisonous. We must reject it firsthand. Pete, one more thought on the on the the um, identity politics and the racial component of the white evil component of all of this. Dr. Carol Christine Fair, not sure if you saw this yet, an associate professor in the Security Studies program at Georgetown University, tweeted the following with a photo of the uh, Senate Republicans. Look at this chorus of entitled white men justifying a serial rapist's arrogated entitlement. All of them deserve miserable deaths, while feminists laugh laugh as they take their last gasps. Bonus, we can castrate their corpses and feed them to swine. Yes. She actually tweeted all of that. She is a professor in good standing at Georgetown University. The university's response? Our policy does not prohibit speech based on the person presenting the ideas or the content of those ideas, even when those ideas may be difficult, controversial, controversial, or objectionable. While faculty members may exercise freedom of speech, we expect their classrooms and interaction with students to be free of bias and geared toward thoughtful, respectful dialogue. In other words, they signed off on what their professor said. Go ahead. Not only is Georgetown, uh, how do I put this? Uh, this is a technical, technical term, full of it. But if they believe that we are persuaded by this anymore, the fact is we all know, and we've seen it in multiple iterations, that if something, if the obverse were said by a conservative, that person would be out of a job and banned from academia forever. That is one of the most vile statements I've ever heard on any side, and you know very well that if a conservative had said something like that about any other person on the left, that person would never find a job again. There are multiple examples of that. There are organizations that exist solely to defend academics who are the subject of firings or discipline because they strayed out of the politically correct lanes. So Georgetown has sided. It's taken aside, and it's also identified itself as, frankly, being very stupid. And the reason I say that, Bob, it's not a hyperbole, is because they actually believe we're going to be persuaded and convinced by that. In 2018, conservatives know better. Pete, last thing before you run, and I know we're already a little bit past what you said you had, but just briefly, because you touched on the fringes of it uh, in the first segment, and you also talked about it a little bit in your um, uh, in your speech at the Hall of Fame uh, uh, banquet, um, and you mentioned it to me this morning before we came on the air, the, the Soviet totalitarian mindset that we are devolving into. Can, is, this, is this expressed solely in, in the Kavanaugh hearings? No, no, not at all. Boy, I, I tell you what, Bob, as I think mentioned to you maybe probably years ago, when I sit on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights over the last almost 18 years now, uh, you see the hopes and dreams of the left experimented with at the U.S. Civil Rights Commission before it's uh, uh, inflicted upon the rest of society. Probably we get a five to six year lead time. But what you see is a slow and now more rapidly advancing encroachment on our liberty, liberties, the American ideals, the American founding, and it's truly 
dangerous. I, it's the Civil Rights Commission is like the canary in the coal mine. And I've been trying to alert people to the fact that this is coming, and now it's coming more swiftly. And before we know it, we're going to be overcome by it. This is not alarmist, Bob. It's not alarmist at all. I'm simply telling a stating fact, and I've been saying this for quite some time. If you cherish the American ideals, if you cherish your freedom, if you cherish your country and your God, push back on this hard. It's not simply because of an accident of geography that America is the greatest country in the history of the world. It comes from our founding ideals and all of those who've given life and treasure to preserve them. We must preserve their legacy and preserve our birthright by pushing back against this hard, not tolerating this, and don't let these Lilliputians drag down a good man and the rest of them in their pursuit of power. Peter Kersenow, phenomenally explained, as always. Thank you so much for putting in the overtime, my friend. God bless. Appreciate you very much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bob. Bye-bye. Peter Kirsten now on AM 1420. The answer, it's 1048. Let's take this time out. Uh, get our ch- last check of our traffic. Come back in and get some of your thoughts at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110, the Bob France Authority. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.